1: with your amex card entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last make every tap music to your ears
2: warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical black buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco if you're an adult age 21 and older around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. What is going on everybody John Middlecoff three and out podcast back at it again fresh off this Thursday night football game one of the last games at the Coliseum having spent uh, many nights Many games over the last decade at the Oakland Coliseum. Special place. Cool place, especially a night game. That place is lit. Uh it's got a it's got a legit edge to it. It, it really does. When the team's playing well. Listen, I will dive into Gruden here in a second, but you know, I'll tip my hat to him. I I, I was as big of a critic as you can find, and he's shut me up. He's shut a lot of people up. They're five and four. And they're just good. I mean, they have a good offense. Their defense isn't good, but they make some key stops. And tonight, Rivers throwing a ball all over the place. What do you mean? I mean, Rivers, I I don't know what was going on. Uh, We'll dive into the Chargers, who are just, you know, Dean Spanos, who's, you know, you got teams leaking that he should move to London. You know, I I have a theory on that. We'll dive into uh, Bama LSU. Some thoughts on those games, or just that game. Uh really the game of the weekend probably. Bama LSU twelve thirty Pacific Standard Time, twelve thirty CBS. And then uh and then all the games on Sunday, do that every you know, Friday podcast, just a couple minutes on each game. Not a great slate, but you know, a couple interesting games. Kinda crazy. Atlanta at New Orleans is a thirteen point thirteen and a half point spread. I mean that used to be one of the bigger rivalries in the NFL. Thirteen point spread. I mean, how's that that's insane? Uh, And then the Middlecoff mailbag, like always, at John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. Slide up into those DMs, and then I interact with you and answer your questions here on the podcast. But let's start with Gruden. Listen, he took a lot of shit. You know, it was crazy when he signed the 10-year, $100 million contract. People thought it was nuts. And rightfully so, it was nuts. The guy hadn't coached in 10 years, then everything that happened early on, it felt like they didn't quite have a plan. And And I still stand by, I don't think they quite had a plan. He had a plan to start over. But then he acquired Antonio Brown. But I will give them credit. Now they they made him basically plead and beg to get cut. But the moment they cut him, they freed themselves. Now I didn't. The moment they cut him, from a football perspective, he's a pretty good player. At least he was. Who knows what he's like now? But I thought they were going to suck. I, I really did. Their defensive roster was terrible. They were going to be so dep- dependent on Antonio Brown. The biggest reason they gave John Gruden all the money... Well, they gave it to him for several reasons. One, they're moving. And they're going to the entertainment capital of the world. And John Gruden's a rock star. He, he is. He's, he, let's fit, call it what it is. He's a bigger rock star than he, he is a coach. At least until this last month when he's established. He's a pretty damn good coach. You know? You, you gotta give him his credit. And that, that was the number one reason. He, he's a, he moves the needle. And the other thing was to coach offense and the quarterback. A quarterback that they have for $25 million a year under contract the next several years. And he's resurrected Derek's career. He has Derek playing very, very well. And Derek deserves a lot of credit. He's playing very, very well. He drafted a first-round running back, which I thought was kind of nuts. I thought they could have got him in the second round, regardless where they took him. I mean, he's one of the best non-quarterbacks in football right now. Josh Jacobs is the offensive rookie of the year. I think he's a pro bowler. He has changed the franchise. He's Mr. Dependable. You can throw it to him. You can hand him the ball. He had the game-winning touchdown tonight. He's just a badass. I mean, he's a certified ass kicker. And then, I he, listen, this is the most Raider pro player of recent memory. They took a drug addict who finally got clean six months ago and turned him into a Pro Bowl tight end in Darren Waller. So Gruden, that's Gruden's guy. He wanted him. So that's impressive. Gruden has had a very, very impressive season. There's there there's no way around it because at 5-4 and four and the tiebreaker over the Colts, and we'll see how how long, if, if Jacoby's out or Hoyer has to play or Jacoby's not the same, they are not, they're in the playoff mix. Chargers, you're bye-bye. You're done. But the Raiders played with more effort than you. Uh, they're just, they had a bunch of penalties tonight, but some of them, the referees, I mean, cheese, Luis, can we not throw a flag on every single play? Just as, as a viewer, as a player, as a coach, it's just ridiculous. It's it's over the top. Drives me nuts. I mean, it drives everyone nuts. But the the Raiders found a way with all the penalties, with just madness and weirdness happening. And even at the end of the game, their their kicker misses an extra point. So if Rivers, with three timeouts and a minute left, could have just got them in field goal range, could have lost the game. But the Raiders deserve to win this game. And they, they deserve a ton of credit. They, they really do. I had them pegged for about four and 12. And I'd say right now, 8-8, eight eight, I mean, depending, they lost multiple defensive players the last drive. Uh, if those guys aren't seriously injured, I don't think 9-7 and seven is out of the question. If they go 9-7, and seven, they might be a playoff team, which would be an incredible accomplishment. It really would. The Chargers, on the other hand, are an embarrassment. Uh, their owner, as I was told this week, I wrote an article on the Athletic Bay Area about the Raiders being in better position, big picture, than the Chargers. And two of my main reasons, one, the quarterback, Derek, is just under contract for several years moving forward. Phillip Rivers is a free agent at the end of this year. And as you saw tonight, he's not quite the same guy. He had 12 touchdowns and seven interceptions coming into this game. He threw three tonight, so he's got 10 interceptions on the season. He's just kind of throwing YOLO passes way too much. And he always kind of has, but they're not as accurate as they once were. But the bigger issue, why I like the Raiders more than the, the Chargers moving forward, is the Raiders have coaching stability. John Gruden's on year one and a half of a 10-year contract. Anthony Lynn is the, is the lowest paid coach in the NFL. It, isn't it a pretty true statement you get what you pay for in life? Whether it's a home, whether it's a car, whether it's a pair of shoes, whether it's a football coach. When you're paying your football coach in the NFL three and a half to four million dollars a year, and you expect him to go toe-to-toe with a $10 million coach, and he makes a ton of money in this division, you got to play the Harbaugh's, you got to play the Belichick's, and you have a playoff-level roster, how can anyone be shocked when you lose? Again, you get what you pay for. And and Dean Spanos loves his savings account more than anything else. I I think someone needs to get to Dean and be like, listen, I've never died, but I've had many people tell me that when you do die, that the bank doesn't follow the hearst with all the cash that you have in the bank. You don't get to take that to your to your deathbed. And Dean, you're getting $250, $260, $270 million from the league every year. How about how about you hire an eight million dollar coach and give yourself a team that has Bosa, Ingram, Melvin Gordon, Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Rivers, Casey Hayward, Kevin King, like you got a ton of good players. The, the young pass rusher from USC, I can't say his name, number 42. Good player. Like, how about you go hire a capable coach? I mean, for once. Can you do that? Or do you just always want to be the team that's, you know, 7-9 and nine and easily could have been 11-5 and five if you just had a guy that knew what he was doing? It's the same story. It just We just rotate over and over and over. It never changes. And it starts at the top. Now listen, I don't think Mark Davis is a very good owner, but he gave John Gruden $100 million and he basically just said, you do it all. You think Mark Davis has $100 million? I mean, he takes out huge lines of credit to pay players, to pay his coach. Dean Spanos actually has money in the bank and he refuses to give it to anybody. And his team always loses and everyone's always shocked. And and tonight, I mean, the reason River's throwing picks, but big picture, they're always in the same predicament for a reason. They have a low-paid head coach. I mean, it's just who's going to get fired at the end of this year when they miss the playoffs? They're not taking Anthony Lynn next year to move into the big building. And my theory going into this game was when the story leaked about the Raider or I mean the Chargers moving to London, I thought, you know, maybe the Raiders leaked this story, a little old school Al Davis move, to create turmoil and chaos with the Chargers, because it became a huge story. Dean Spanos went on record, dropped a couple F-bombs. Uh, Tom Telesco had to address the team. I mean, it was a serious story. And I had a couple people in the league like, yeah, I don't think it's that. And I, having been around the Raiders, they actually were very close with Dean. Remember, they almost moved to L.A. with Dean. So my my theory, even when I had it in my head, I kind of poked some holes into it. I'm like, yeah, I just been around Mark Davis. I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he'd do that. And I don't even think Gruden thinks about crap like that. And I had a couple people say that, yeah, I think it was the Rams that leaked that. And I was like, you know, that makes sense. You know why? Because the Rams want the Chargers out of their building. They can't stand Dean Spanos and his organization. They are an anchor on the operation that is going to be this palace that is Los Angeles. And look at the squad that he's operating. Despite having all this talent, Tom Telesco's done a good job. He's picked a ton of good players over the years. Now that Rivers diminishing a little bit, he, they, their offensive line is pretty bad. Now Russell Coon got hurt tonight in the backup left tackle. Jeez, Louise, not a very good player. But it starts at the top. And as long as Dean Spanos owns this organization, they'll just be a middling. You know, maybe one year they'll win 11 games, make the playoffs. Then the next year they'll go 7-9. and nine. Well, who knows? I mean, once Rivers, as his career comes to an end, who knows if they can find another quarterback. But I I, I really do blame Dean Spanos uh, just for the, cons- the, in- the consistent inconsistency of the Chargers. Because y- you get what you pay for as a head coach, and they just always have a cheap head coach.
1: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with
2: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Well, I I don't really talk much college football on this show, not because I don't love it. I mean, I watch it all day on Saturdays, really all season. But for the most part, you know, and Colin talks about this a lot, it's become very regional, and it's obviously dominates in the South for interest, and it's big in the Big Ten. But for the most part, you know, a lot of us. If you live on the West Coast, you live on the Northeast. You're you're not as locked in. It's become very regional, but I love it. And for the first time this season, we have a really, really big game. And yeah, I, I live in Northern California, and I can't freaking wait for Bama LSU. I haven't missed a Bama LSU game in ten years, and I've I've been reading a lot of stuff about the game. And, you know, obviously there some big injuries, too, as a game-time decision. But, nine years ago, I think, in 2011, when they played in that 9-6 epic national championship game. Uh, or, I guess it was a regular season game that was 9-6, and they played again the national championship in Alabama. Kind of kicked their ass. That it was a defensive battle. It was old-school SEC ground and pound. Well, now you have two teams that dominate through the year. And... Before we dive into kind of the matchup, which I think is really cool, is one of the best parts about sports, uh, and I, I'd say any public job, but specifically sports. Because in, like, my public job, what do I really get credit for? How many people listen? You know, a million people listen, well, what's the goal? And then two million people, like, when does it ever end? There's not, like, a, some finite number that I'm going to win or lose. How much revenue I draw, I mean, you guys all... We all have scoreboards like, how much revenue did we double in Q1, Q2? But it's a little different in sports because you work all week for a specific game. Now, I think we can all probably relate. If you're working for a specific client and you land a big deal, that's a pretty big high. And that feels pretty good. I've had that happen. I'm sure many people listening have had that happen. You know, I think we get that a little bit in school when you study for a test and you do well. But I think the reason, if you're listening to this, you love football, because you want your team to win. When you played, whether you played in high school, whether you played in college, you, you tried to win. I mean, that's there's a scoreboard. And because it's a public job, and really sports has become, I don't want to say like e-news, but there's an element of the way we talk about coaches and the way we talk about players being fired. This guy sucks. This guy's not good. This guy didn't deserve to get the job. That's part of the reason this stuff's so popular. Hell, I make my living off doing that. And I would have been the first to raise my hand of a shit talker about Eddie O. I was like, no way USC could hire him. I I never thought he was a clown because I know people that have worked with him. that said He worked his ass off in recruiting. He was a really good defensive line coach. But I thought it was pretty insane that he was going to become the head coach at LSU. I'm wrong. He's been fantastic. He has been awesome. And the best part about sports, whether you're a player or a coach... And people think you suck. And people talk shit about you. You can shut them up. Because you're like, well, he's kind of good. Well, he's not that good. No, you just win. And no one can say a damn thing. Unless you're Kevin Durant and you just continue to go on Twitter and everyone calls you a snake. Like, Kevin, you won. You won two championships. Two finals MVPs. Hat tip to you. No one can ever say shit. And if they do, just come back. Championships. Eddie O. He wins this weekend. I think they've already beat multiple ranked teams, obviously taking down Texas, beating Florida. Like they're good. <laughs> you know. LSU's no joke. They have the best quarterback since they've had Jamarcus Russell. They're scoring points at a rate for this program that is not normal. But I think the big winner in this whole thing is Ed Ogeron, who is absolutely perfect for LSU. I can't understand what he's saying. I bet many of you can't understand what he's saying. But I know two things. One, he's been winning. And two, he's one of the best, if not the best, recruiters in the country at a school that recruits itself. But he's got all the chips are in the middle of the table this week because you'd go, Saban probably has his best quarterback over the era in Tua Tonga-Faloa, but he's injured. Game time decision, I think it's fair to say he's going to play. But he's not going to be 100%. But this Saban team is not anywhere near as good as the previous Saban teams. They're really built much more kind of like a modern-day NFL team. Defense kind of, you know, bend but don't break and score a ton of points through the air. Their running game is nowhere near what it was in the Derrick Henry, uh, Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson type days. It is three elite wide receivers. Jerry Judy's gonna be a top six seven pick. Henry Ruggs, I, I got people that tell me that they think he'll be a top twenty pick. And Devontae Smith, stud. I mean, they got three wide receivers that are gonna go in the top fifty, and a quarterback that might go number one overall. But LSU, as someone told me this week in the league, they actually match up pretty well. Because their three best players on defense are arguably their three DBs. they got three legit corners. Like, they can cover. LSU, for the first time, has a quarterback that should be able to score points against Alabama. Because you've watched in the last several years, they can't score any points. The over-under in this game, if you would said, if I just did some research, I didn't do, on necessarily what the over-under has been the last five or six games, when these two teams have played... My guess would it be somewhere in the mid forties, again, educated guess. It's sixty three on Sunday. Sixty three. That's pretty nuts. And that shows you that these two teams are offensive oriented. I think they're both in the top five in scoring and in passing yards. Like that's how they win. Saban has nothing left to prove. He could win five more like he, he just is what he is. He's arguably the greatest college football coach ever. Won countless national championships. Produced countless first rounders, had one has have had one of the great ten year stretches we've ever seen. Not just in college athletics, but just athletics. He has single handedly kicked the crap out of everyone. It's been awesome to watch. I became kind of an Alabama fan to be honest with you, but I can't lie. I'm rooting for Eddie O, and I'm someone that blasted Eddie O when he was like, "Oh, you can't give him the USC job." Oh, LSU hired Eddie O. I thought they were nuts. He shut me up. And I I think sometimes I enjoy that. And I don't mind if I'm the guy that got shut up or the person that supports the person that ultimately shuts someone up. That's really cool. In a day and age when everyone has an opinion, everyone's tweeting out or Facebooking about what's right and what's wrong, who's good and who's bad, there's still a scoreboard in football and basketball and baseball and golf, in all sports. Someone wins and someone loses. And, yeah, he took over LSU, and they're historically really talented. But let's not act like they were winning 11, 12 games a year when he took over. Like, they were kind of in shambles. Les Miles had hit a tipping point of they weren't good anymore. Their quarterback and their offense was a joke. Well, Eddie O went to the New Orleans Saints, which were, he worked for a couple years. And he hired this 30-year-old guy named Joe Brady. He's technically not the offensive coordinator, but he's the wide receiver coach and pass game coordinator. A young guy that came from Sean Payton, and obviously Eddie O's defensive coordinator, uh, I think Dave Aranda, is really, really good. But where they kind of hang their hat on, their defensive coordinator is, yeah, Dave Aranda. I got a coaching staff pulled up right now. Joe Brady's 30 years old, who was basically an analyst or a quality control guy for Sean Payton. But Eddie O's changed this guy's life, and he's obviously changed LSU's lives. But this guy is going to get offensive coordinator opportunities all around the country, probably after this year. He wins this game. To me, he's a 100% lock offensive coordinator next year. Because the one thing that's unique about being a younger guy sometimes on one of these staffs for Sean Payton or Andy Reid or your defensive guy for Pete Carroll, the amount of knowledge, because of the amount of work you do for that coach, if you're on their side of the ball, is pretty stupid. You know, I I would imagine Joe Brady, if you talk to him, would be like, yeah, I was was essentially Sean Payton's secretary, football secretary, whatever he needed, scheme-wise, cut-ups-wise. I was in charge of it. I'm in all the game plan meetings with him. I got a front-row seat at this genius, and that's what Sean Payton is. He's an offensive genius. And this guy clearly soaked it up. Turns out he's a good coach as well, and he has helped Joe Burrow in this passing game To heights that I think all of us would always be like, God, how did LSU not win the national championship? Looking back, they had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and they couldn't pass. Well, they finally have a quarterback. And I'm rooting for LSU in this game. They're a six-point underdog. I I I think it would be an incredible story about Ed Ogeron, who, listen, I I wasn't alone. I would imagine many people listened, laughed when he got the job. But it turns out he was the perfect man for the job. And even if he loses this game, there is no shame in losing to Saban. If he loses close in this game, to me, they will probably be the fourth team in. LSU with one loss. It's a close loss on the road to Alabama, who surely would then go undefeated, would be in a pretty good position still to make the playoffs. I I, I think we have to uh, give the guy some respect for even putting his team in this position, hiring the right staff, always been a relentless recruiter, and just, I mean, is there, is there anything cooler than when LSU is good at football? I mean, we've seen Bama be good at football now for a decade. I, I think it's cool when there are other teams in that conference, especially this program, that is good because you know they're a bunch of pros. The the, the team and the fan base is so swagged out. Uh, I, I'm rooting for LSU this Sunday. It'd be, it'd be a nice little change up, and it would be a, it it would be a pretty cool moment for O. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win.
1: Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's dive into the games this weekend. We actually, I think, have six teams on buys. Uh, that's, there There aren't, when I just write down all the games, there aren't as many as uh, typically there are now. Part of that is, I guess, we got a game on Monday, a game on Thursday, but that's always the case when you got, you know, you're missing three extra games or at least two extra games. That's, you know, it kind of sucks. But also, it's not easier; makes it for a quicker segment, that's for sure. Bills at the Browns. Bills getting two and a half points at Cleveland. Well, I, I, I don't see in any world how you could be confident about Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield who are both, let's call it what it is, in shambles against Sean McDermott in this Bills defense, which for the most part has been pretty dominant all season long. Like just that matchup in a vacuum is awful. Then when you factor in the Browns are 2-6 and six coming off a game where they got thoroughly outplayed by the Denver Broncos, coming home where the fans are going to be a little restless. I, I This is a tough spot for Cleveland, man. Uh, I, I like the Bills, plus two and a half. Uh, you know, Cleveland w- loses this game. I mean, we're talking about a four or five win season, may- maybe three wins. I mean, maybe just the, the wheels fall off. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, Freddie, my kitchen's on fire, is just in shambles. You know, and I, I, I say this to people all the time because, uh, you know, the, the – AFC playoff picture is a little more open, obviously, than the NFC. Of just the Bills are going to win ten games and they're going to be a playoff team. I'm I, I feel confident right now, even before this game, calling the Bills a playoff lock. Now, part of that is they're in the AFC, but do you feel good about the Cleveland Browns playing a playoff lock, even if it is an AFC team? I, I, I don't. So I, I, I think the Browns two and seven, you guys stink. Cards at Tampa. Cards getting four and a half. Uh, Jameis. Watched that game against Seattle. He was actually pretty good. He's one of those weird players that can be one of the worst players in the league one series and then be one of the best players in the league for another series. Part of that is Mike Evans' stud. Ronald Jones has been much better. Chris Godwin's really good. They just have a lot of weapons. I don't think the Cards' offense, excuse me, the Cards' defense is very good. Cardinals haven't played since last Thursday, so they're getting a little extra time. Tampa, you know, just played in Seattle, so that's a long trip home. I'm going to take Tampa. I just just think they have a lot better players. I I think it's just – I like Tampa minus four and a half in this game. Giants at the Jets. Who's watching this game? I I mean, you talk about a game that couldn't mean much less being in the capital, the the biggest media market in America, and you have two teams. What are the Jets? One and seven, and the Giants are two and six. So, I mean, they're combined basically just – is this a competition to who's going to draft higher You know, potentially be the number one overall pick. Well, probably be Cincinnati. But God, these two teams are terrible. They they, they really are. These two teams suck. Who would have thought? You know, I I feel bad for Saquon Barkley. I don't feel as bad for Sam Darnold anymore. You know, the mono incident and he's just been terrible. Uh, He just got to pick it up. He's got to play better. You know, he's got to stop doing Jameis type things because if you start getting compared to Jameis, we got a pretty big red flag. The winner of this game is kind of irrelevant. I, I I would say if the Jets lose this game, are we talking about like a two and fourteen season? You're going to go two and fourteen the first year as a head coach. I get you guys stink, but two and fourteen that's Jim Tom Sula. I always say one five and eleven. Falcons at the Saints. This this single number. I guess not. It's a double digit number. Should be the biggest indictment why Dan Quinn should be relieved of his duties immediately when the season's over. This used to be one of the better rivalries in the NFL for the last, you know, I'd say decade. Atlanta's been pretty good. The Saints obviously have been really good. And they just, they've had a good rivalry. They're a 13.5 point underdog coming off a buy. Let me repeat that. They're a 13.5 point underdog coming off a buy. I watched earlier this week getting ready for the Monday night Seattle 49ers game, Atlanta against Seattle. I mean their defense, like, do they even practice? Do they know what's going on? Because they definitely have weapons on offense. Julio's still one of the best players in the league. Calvin Ridley's a stud. Matt Schaub threw for four hundred and fifty yards against Seattle. It was their their, their defense is just hideous. I mean, it's it's a joke. I, I don't get it. Dan Quinn, you're a defensive coordinator. I, I don't necessarily love the Saints in the number in the sense, just because Atlanta can score hollow points, but God, that's you're on basically a two touchdown, a two touchdown underdog to your rival. That's that's wild. The Saints are clearly one of the best teams in the league, so it's not shocking. But man, things change fast in Atlanta. Like the Saints to win that game. Ravens at Cincy. You know, I don't know what to say. The the Ravens. The, I guess the only red flag on this game is the Ravens played one of the best games they've played in you know five years against the Patriots on national television. Lamar was unreal. We're all humans. So when when the Ravens players are sitting down there, how do they take Cincinnati seriously? I get how coaches do it. They manipulate it in their mind. Any team can beat anyone on a given Sunday. That's true. Except when you play the Bengals, I, I don't think they can beat any team. Now, unless the Ravens just do not even attempt to practice or try, and I'm talking obviously the coaches will I'm talking about the players. I think Lamar is not really wired like that, which is a good thing playing an opponent like Cincinnati. Uh the crowd will probably be half empty in Cincinnati. I, I'd expect the Ravens to win. But I kind of like the Bengals plus ten and a half. I wouldn't even bet the game. Panthers at the Packers. Uh this would be a game if you're on the McCaffrey train for MVP. If he goes for 150 and they win this game at Lambeau, I don't think he'll end up winning the MVP. It's probably gonna go to Watson or it's gonna go to uh, you know, go to Russell Wilson. But McCaffrey can throw his hat in the ring and have a legitimate shot to be like, come on, guys, I, I, I'm one of the best players, you know, in this game. Easily one of the best non-quarterbacks in this game. I don't even think that's arguable at this point. But the Packers, who just got their ass kicked against the Chargers, did not play well at all. Bosa Ingram kicked their ass. You'd expect them to come back. I said this when the Panthers came to San Francisco. If the 49ers are a real defense, you kick Kyle Allen's ass. And that's what the 49ers did. They kicked, they whooped them. Now, if the Packers are a legitimate one or two seed, I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to go to the Saints and the Niners. But Packers are 7-2. I mean, they're right in this thing. You work Kyle Allen. Uh, I've had multiple coaches tell me Mike Pettin's one of the better defensive coordinators in the league. This type of game where you just, in Lambeau, Kyle Allen should get destroyed. Now, in McCaffrey, you should have two people follow him wherever he goes. But this, this, to me, should be a, a Packers defensive game against Kyle Allen, where they make him look like a scrub. Lions at the Bears minus two and a half. The Bears are minus two and a half. You get three points for being a home team. So that shows you Vegas doesn't think Chicago is very good, and right now they're not. Their offense is atrocious. Their defense has not played situationally very well. they've had a huge the drop off from Vic Fangio to Chuck Pagano has been massive. Has been has been very very big. I love the guy. He's one of my favorite players, you know, in recent memory. But Cleo Mack's not playing very well. I, his effort is very hit or miss right now. They're paying him ninety million dollars, the highest paid player in, in NFL history as a defensive player to dominate, to dominate. And remember, years ago, and I've talked about this before. I guess it was last year. Bill Belichick was offended by the Lawrence Taylor talk. He should have been. Because Lawrence Taylor played his balls off. And right now, Khalil's kind of going through the motions. It's, you know, for a guy whose standards are super high, it's borderline kind of embarrassing. And that's where Fangio would not allow it. Just Pagano allowing it. You're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. The Lions offense is one of the more entertaining offenses in the league. Stafford's having a career year. The Hawkinson guy, they draft in the top ten, the tight end's a stud. Uh, Jones and and, uh, and Galladay are players. Like, they can throw the ball all over the yard. I, this is a scary matchup for the Bears, man. They're in desperation mode. Nagy and Mitch are desperate for a win. Facing the Lions team, who is just is just a weird, shitty team. Because they're going to win five or six games when the dust settles at the end of the year. But they're going to have one of the best offenses in the league. Dolphins at the Colts. Uh, unlike Cincinnati, it's a little easier to take Miami seriously. Just because on tape, they do play really hard. Indy's coming off a pretty devastating loss at Pittsburgh. The question now is, Jacoby, is he going to play this week? Even if he doesn't play, how long is he out? If he does play, will he look the same? Is that knee injury going to be something that lingers? Because he's a much better player than Brian Hoyer. So, you know, if, if Indy's got to start Brian Hoyer for several weeks in a row, their playoff position starts being somewhat in question. They get knocked out of the playoff mix fast. You know, you lose a couple games, Houston separates themselves. You have some of these teams like the Chargers, the Raiders, they don't go away. Both those two teams have beat Indy. Uh, I would expect Indy to win this game. But if you got to start Brian Hoyer, man, this Miami team is not quitting. Unlike the Bengals and the Redskins and even the Jets who just play lifeless, that, that has not been the Dolphins' style. This is a weird spot for Indy. Where you just you kinda want to overlook an opponent, but you're not quite good enough to overlook an opponent. And we've seen Indy, when they play down to their competition, they can lose. When they play up to their competition, they're good. But when they play down, anyone can beat them. Ravens at or excuse me, not Ravens. Rams at the Steelers. Rams coming off a bye. I would imagine Jalen Ramsey chases around Juju. Uh, you know, the Steelers, listen, they're four and four. They're they're in this thing. You know, they're only two games back right now, the Ravens. If they win this game and they're five and four and they've just beaten back to back weeks the Colts and the Rams, they're gonna be feeling pretty good about themselves. The Rams win this weekend, they'll be coming off a bye and have be six and three. They'll feel we're healthy. We traded for Jalen Ramsey. Let's make a run at this thing. Let's make a freaking run. And depending on what happens on Monday Night Football, if somehow the San Francisco 49ers slip up and Seattle were to beat them, they go, Well, the Niners got a loss and they're still gotta play the they still gotta play us again. They have to play New Orleans. They got to play Green Bay. They got to play the Ravens. They got to play Seattle again in Seattle. This thing's on like Donkey Kong, baby. Uh, and if the Steelers win, you know, it's just like I talked about their culture, like they'll they have nine and seven written all over them. I, I would lean the Rams in this game, but some about Mike Tomlin, some about playing in Pittsburgh, some about this team having a little life. I, I, I am not going to bury the Steelers by any means. Game of the day, Vikings-Cowboys. Uh, starting with the Vikings, you know they I, I don't want to say they rushed them back, but they tried to get Thielen back on the field, and his hamstring pulled again. And as of recording this, he hasn't practiced yet this week. So that that's a problem. When their offense is really dominant, they have two wide receiver. You can't double-team Diggs. You're going to double-team Diggs? Okay, I'll throw it to Thielen every play. You're going to stack the box? Okay, I'll throw it to those guys. You're going to play coverage? I'll slam you with Dalvin Cook. When you miss one of those three guys, it becomes a problem. When they have all three of those guys on the field, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Diggs, Kirk Cousins looks like a stud. When he's missing one, he looks a little more pedestrian. And this game's in Dallas. Pretty big swing game for the Cowboys because the Eagles already lost to the Vikings. So if you beat the Vikings, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, You just had a pretty easy win on Monday Night Football. Van Der Esch was limited in practice. But even if Van Der Esch can't go... One of the Cowboys' biggest luxuries right now is Sean Lee's their backup. So if Sean Lee has to be your starting middle linebacker right next to Jalen Smith, you're in pretty good shape. I'm fascinated and fired up to watch this game. Uh, I just have the hard time thinking the Vikings can win without feeling. You're telling me Kirk Cousins is going to play well enough against that Dallas defense on Sunday Night Football? I just close my eyes and say that out loud and have a hard time envisioning that. Kirk Cousins is going to play well Sunday Night Football. Just, just close your eyes and say that. You're like oh what am I talking about? Because he won't. Because he never does. So I I, I I like the Cowboys in this game.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue, while you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
2: We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance
1: for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's dive into the Middlecoff mailbag. That is Instagram at John Middlecoff, same as my Twitter handle. And you slide up in those DMs, and I will answer your questions right here on the pod. Just want to ask, do you think Lamar Jackson doing good in the league uh, helps make a case for Jalen Hurts being a first-round pick next year? I do not. Even though I heard some stats that Jalen Hurts is throwing for more yards this year than Kyler did last year and is also for running for more yards than Kyler did last year. Uh, I know you asked about Lamar, but you know Kyler's another good example Went one. When you watch Jalen Hurts, I, I, I think he's helped himself out a lot. But he has years of tape of being really, really inaccurate. I also think you see he's not quite the runner. Like, when you watch Kyler Lamar, they're a little more explosive, a little faster. Jalen's a little more like a true running back. A little slower, but much more physical. I mean, still a really good player. I could not draft Jalen Hurts in the first round. Uh, I I probably couldn't. Again, maybe I'm jaded because of Alabama. And you talk to people that go through Oklahoma that maybe they think differently. Uh, I, I will be stunned. If he goes in the, in the first round, absolutely stunned. While the front office, okay. uh, I have a question about the Panthers. While the front office has to decide what to do between Cam and Kyle Allen, McCaffrey has become the best running back in the league. I feel like they need to get this quarterback situation figured out before they waste CMC's talent. Do you think they should move on from Cam and roll with Allen or try to draft a quarterback in the near future? I like the idea of drafting someone because Cam is too injury-prone, and now that Allen seems like he can't be more than just a game manager. Well, the good part about, I think Cam's on IR, right? So this season's done. You have the rest of this year, and you play the Packers this weekend, right? Uh, yeah, you play the Packers this weekend. What's a big game. We'll talk about that. We'll talked about that a little earlier that you can find out this year. Like, just play this year out. If you get 10-6 and six and can make a wild card, then Kyle Allen has done enough to be your quarterback next year. If you end up going 8-8 eight and eight and he kind of shits the bed against the Packers like he did against the Niners, and then you again when you play the Saints, then you know you got to draft a guy. And if memory serves me correct, didn't they draft Will Greer this year in like the fourth or third round? But, yeah, I, I guess they could be in the market again for sure. You could always You could always trade Cam, maybe get another pick you know, maybe get a second round pick or something and use it on a player. Uh but but I think as you sit here November seventh, you have two more months of a trial run with Kyle Allen. But like you said, you 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 not only just have Christian McCaffrey, you got DJ Moore, like you got some other players on offense. Samuel, the you you can be an explosive offense cause Christian is so special. Greg Olson's still playing well. The defense is still solid. Luke's still one of the best players in the league that, yeah, I mean, I I think it's not as just much about Christian McCaffrey. It's just you need a quarterback to win in this league. And if Kyle's good enough to just have you compete for the playoffs, could you just add more guys, you know, to go along with him and have an even better team with him? I I think you have options. And that's as long as Kyle Allen keeps playing solid football, he leaves the options open for you. But if he ever starts playing terrible, you know, considering like like he ultimately becomes who most – people thought he was going to be just an undrafted free agent, you know, start playing poorly, then you just know you have to move on. That's probably the worst case scenario. I'm unfortunately a diehard Bears fan and was wondering what your thoughts are on the future of Ryan Pace. Should he be fired for one of the biggest whiffs in NFL history that even a casual fan like myself saw coming? I know it's a huge mistake at the most important position, but I think he's done a great job building the rest of the team outside of Trubisky. Should the city of Chicago give him a second chance? I think 100%. I don't know Ryan Pace. I know people, obviously, that know him. They like him a lot. I've heard he's a super high character, great human being. And like you said, minus the quarterback, that roster is really, really good. Like, you put a top 15 quarterback on that roster, you'd be a playoff team. I think we can all admit that. Right now, you have a bottom five quarterback, and you're awful. Now, the defense hasn't played as well, but the roster talent is there. You, you get whiffs in football. Now... I think that he has to come out at the end of the season, basically raise his hand, and admit, I whiffed. You have to be candid with your failure. If he tries to hide from it or run from it or pretend like it doesn't happen and not move on from Mitch, I got no problem with Chicago screaming for him to be fired. I think he deserves more time. He's going to get more time. But he has to admit his wrong and cut Mitch Trubisky. You cannot roll back next year with Mitch even as a backup. He's not a backup quarterback. Hell, I just keep chasing. Go sign some other Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, whoever your upgrade is. Phillip Rivers, whoever you can get. Because whoever you can get is going to be better than Mitch. But you got to move on from Mitch. And I think everyone will acknowledge, listen, you took a swing. You missed. It stings a little because we could have had Deshaun Watson. But, you know, you can't cry over spilled milk. Water under the bridge. Let's move on and let's go find our quarterback. Because you got all these guys under contract coming back next year, and the team should be pretty talented. So yeah, I I do not think he should be fired. But the the absolute key is to admit that he whiffed. And we've seen time and time again that general managers, coaches, humans in general, it doesn't even have to be about sports, can be stubborn, man. And this is a very public job, so you cut Mitch Trubisky you are admitting to the world that you whiffed. Even though we all know you did, that's, I think that's easier for us on the outside to tell you to do than it actually is for people to do. I'm a big-time sports fan, but I'm a true student of the game, especially with football. I coached high school for a few years, and I study film with NFL Game Pass and college football film alike. I currently have a cushy $46,000 job at Nashville, but I'd love to move back into coaching, scouting, Maybe this is a personal one I wasn't supposed to read, but I'll just keep reading it. Do you have any tips for me currently? What are some steps I can get back into the industry I feel like I was put on this earth to do? What is a realistic option for me, and what type of pay is in the industry pay? Well, I mean, I I always recommend when people ask, how do you get into scouting, get into college football, and you've already coached in high school, just try to get involved in college. You know, whether it's just an, you know, sometimes it sucks, you got to be like an unpaid assistant just to get your foot in the door. If you can ever get your foot in the door you'll have a chance to be seen by people. And I'd say the most powerful thing about the, the profession of football in in college and definitely in the pros, if you just get your foot in the door with the team. I just got my foot in the door with the 2010 Eagles. Well, it turns out Brett Veach was there. Lewis Riddick was there. Phillips, Phil Savage was there. Howie Roseman was there. Andy Reid was there. Sean McDermott was there. Matt Nagy was there. Doug Peterson was there. I didn't know any of those guys. I mean, I knew who Andy Reid was, but I didn't know the rest of them. And you just never know. Same thing with college football. When I got involved in college football, I had guys like Doug Nussmeyer, who's now the tight end coach at uh, at for the Cowboys, who was on our staff. We had several players that played in the league. We have some players now that are coaching around college football. You just—it's it, a powerful sport because it's like a—it's like a spider web that spreads so quickly and has so many connections, and you can always connect back to the one part of the web where you started. And you just got to get your foot in the door. So if you really want to coach, uh, just just do whatever you have to do to get. If you're in Nashville, Tennessee, go. You know Vanderbilt if they fire Derek Mason, whoever they bring in the next coach, go down to the football office. You know in like February and just be like, I want in. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And just if they say no, just come back the next day and say, I won't take no for an answer. I'm serious. I mean, I I've done stuff like that before. It, I mean, it doesn't always work, but sometimes that might lead to something else. The problem with the Jaguars going to London is that every away game would be a major away game. Imagine going from London to Dallas and back. 11-hour flight. Rough. There's a reason there's a bye week before teams uh, that travel. It'd be brutal. I agree. When when I gave my uh, my theory of moving the Jags to London, it's there are holes in the theory. And there are holes in my plan of just having a team being over there full-time. Because the travel is deep. What about when... You know, if the Jaguars, let's say, they move to London and they're in the AFC East, well, what about when the AFC East plays the NFC West? And yeah, you get two home games, but you also got to play, between the four of them, the Cardinals, Seattle, L.A., and San Francisco. There's no, there's no disputing that the travel would be a mother. But it's pretty clear that the league's sniffing around over there. So I'm just trying to get ahead of it. I'm not saying there aren't holes in the theory. Uh, I, I fully understand time travel and, and how far you know six hours from New York like you said seven and a half probably from Dallas or eight from Dallas 11 maybe 11 from Dallas so that's 11 both ways I don't know I've never even been to London been to Spain a long way away so I, I I get that but I I think we're headed that way I I really do or, or maybe we're headed to a place where we just do a London game for like eight straight weeks and we just rotate Love the podcast. Found you through the herd thing on the weekly road. Okay, thanks, bro. Uh, is Baker's career salvageable at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's, come on, guys. It's year one and a half. I understand that he has been a skilled, accurate passer for most of his career, but I just can't imagine someone who appears to have such little self-awareness, struggles with maturity, and stuck to this, I'm Baker and I won't change mentality, appears to be a recipe for disaster, but maybe I'm not seeing the whole picture. I, I don't even think that's arguable. R- right now, Baker... His, his uh, arrogance, probably the wrong word, but his stubbornness with this is my way or the highway is killing him. And listen, I, you know, if you're listening, you're over 30 years old, I I just turned 35. I mean, 10 years ago when I was 25, I actually probably more arrogant and cocky now. (laughs) I was much more, I was more immature then, but I was much more willing to keep my mouth shut. And I I, I think it's just kind of... You are kind of who you are. Uh, And in fairness to him, his cockiness was created. And there was substance behind it. He went to Oklahoma. He earned a scholarship. He was a three-year starter. They went to the playoffs twice. He then was the number one pick in the draft. Everyone in Cleveland, when LeBron left, got on their knees and, and basically gave this guy, please save us, you know? I mean, they treated this guy like a king. So he... He thinks the way he acts is right, right? It's like if if you do something wrong when you're a little kid and no one tells you that it's wrong, you don't know the difference. It's like when a dog chews your shoe. Until you get mad at your dog or scold your dog when they're young for doing that, they don't know that they're just chewing because they're chewing. They chew, right? And, and some dogs, you can yell at them all you want. They're still going to chew the shoe. So there's a chance that Baker Mayfield's mentality may never change. But it's definitely gonna take some legit failure, I think, for him to change. He just he's, he's makes too much money. He's he's never really taken heat up until this year. Now, maybe the heat and, and the pressure will get to him, but I don't know. I I, I I'm pretty concerned. I, I got a pretty big red flag on Baker Mayfield. I'm a Bears fan who feels like his parents are going through a divorce. Mitch and Nagy could be not worse could be a not a worse match for each other. Mitch would benefit greatly from being in an offense like the 49ers, Ravens, or the Seahawks days when they were play calling in a run-heavy quarterback that doesn't have to think much. Is it possible reasonable for Nagy to transform the offense to be more like Kyle's? Side note, Watson or Mahomes would be sweet with Nagy. I think Kyle would hate Mitch Trubisky. I I think Kyle would despise Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky's not an accurate quarterback. He has no clue where the ball is going. On Kyle's plays, on the play-action stuff, I, I, I agree, Matt needs to run some more under-center stuff with Mitch. But just because you go under-center, you turn your back or the play action, you turn around, you eventually got to hit somebody. And Mitch has guys open every game, and he's airmailing them by 30 feet. I, I think Kyle would want to strangle him. I, I get, in theory, you think, well, Kyle, you know, every offense he Yeah, he deals with a lot of accurate passers. And, and Mitch has been very, very inaccurate of late. I'm telling you, Jimmy Garoppolo was driving Kyle nuts. I, Kyle, Kyle would have cut Mitch Trubisky like three weeks ago. Uh, I'm a sport management student at the University of Cincinnati. Would love to get in a football front office. What should I do to try to get in with the Bengals? Well, it's, you know, here's the positive. I think they got two scouts. So the the, the scouting department is thin. I, in all sincerity, I would just show up at the office and just ask to talk with, I think, Dick Tobin is their general manager or Mike Brown. Just show up. I mean, as crazy as that, just show up and say, I, I want in. I, I want to volunteer. I have worked at uh, I'm sports management. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll get your coffee. I'll I'll do whatever you need me to do. I, it doesn't matter. You want me to, like, carry the footballs out to practice? You want me to log in the hit tapes, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. Now, you might have to say, I'll do it for free, but then might be you're in. Now, you got to be careful, Mike Brown. He might let you work for free for a while, but I would I would highly recommend just showing up. Someone in business told me that a long time ago, and for the most part, in the jobs I have, I never had to do that until on my other podcast when I had to start selling ads And I I work with some ad agencies, so a lot of them, it's not in person. But I've scored some deals just from showing up. I'm just telling you. And I I know a lot of stories of people that got into football by just knocking on the door. Knocking on the coach's door. Knocking on the GM's door. Sending letters. I, I would say, like, that's a little old school, sending letters. I don't know if that works as much anymore. And sending emails. We all know how many spam emails you get. I think you're better off just showing up and just... Just relentlessly showing up. That, that would be my advice. Don't be a stalker, though, but tote the line. Get, get right there on the fence of, like, is this guy a stalker or is this guy desperate for a job? And people appreciate that stuff. They, they really do, especially in the football world. These people are nuts, and they just want people that are committed and will do whatever it takes. If you show them you'll do whatever it takes, just show up every day until you can speak to someone. And then you get your shot. Uh, throw your haymaker, not literally at the guy, but just your, your best, whatever you got, whatever pitches you got, throw them if you ever get a chance to talk to somebody. But that would be my advice. Appreciate everyone listening. Been a fun week. Looking forward to LSU Alabama. That's That game's going to be sweet. Who would have thought the Raiders are 5-4, and four, but, but here we are. Uh, three and out podcast, tell all your friends. Adios, have a great weekend. See ya. <laughs> two percent cash rewards the wells fargo active cash credit card that's real life ready terms apply learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash
0: it's freddie prince jr and jeff died back in the ring wrestling with freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season hey jeff